0: What's up everybody? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name is John and this is r slash malicious compliance. So I'm doing a video even though I wasn't planning to do one right now. I was supposed to be out in the woods looking for a deer but it's way too hot and when I say hot I mean it's like middle of the swamp in Florida hot. So needless to say I'm going to hold off for a day or two see if we can get the uh, humidity to drop down just a little bit You know, hot's one thing, but when, you know, when the humidity's so high, you can't even hardly take a breath. It's just miserable. We're supposed to have a chance of a thunderstorm later tonight, so hopefully maybe that'll knock things down a little. I don't know. Anyway, so if I can't be out deer hunting, I'm going to spend some time with you guys. Let's do some malicious compliance. Dad told me to never wake him up in the middle of the night again. Saw a post on here that reminded me of my innocent compliance that turned into malicious compliance. I was nine years old and woke up from a nightmare. I was scared and couldn't go back to sleep so I woke up my dad for comfort. He told me to go back to bed and never wake him up for anything ever again. I rarely woke him up for anything but I made sure not to. A week goes by and it's the weekend so I'm allowed to sleep on the couch and watch TV. I get up to go pee in the middle of the night and as I'm walking back I hear a tapping on the front door. I'm frozen in fear already and I hear the person trying to open the door for what felt like 3 minutes. They stop and I see their shadow go across our front yard. I'm still standing there shocked but glad it was over. Unfortunately, they left to go to the backyard. I could see them because I was still standing there trying for the back door. And then I see their hand reaching through the doggy door to grab the handle. They were just two inches away from it. I was holding my breath at this point. They finally give up and I muster the courage to move again and go back to sleep. The next morning I tell my dad and stepmom about it. They're freaking out and asking why didn't I wake them up. I replied that I was told not to for anything and they said it's okay for emergencies. My little brain at the time didn't get it because the nightmare I had felt like an emergency. (laughs) Oh, I got a lot of mixed feelings on this one. So while it is annoying for some of the little ones, even up as old as 9, 10, 11, 12 years old to come in and wake you up in the middle of the night because they had a nightmare, I get it. They need some comforting. Uh, nightmares feel as real as anything. As, they feel as real as that guy reaching through your doggy door to try to open your back door. But anyway, by the way, that's a good reason to have a uh, extra shield on the inside of your doggy door overnights, or if you're going away. Anyway, uh, so, you know, you, we really shouldn't, as adults, dismiss kids with their nightmares automatically. The only caveat to that is some kids have learned that once they've had a nightmare, sometimes they'll lay there and not even go to sleep. And know that if they have a nightmare, or if they say they have a nightmare, that they can come in and, you know, get snuggles or whatever. And sometimes that's okay. You know they're kind of pushing the boundaries and taking advantage of it a little bit. But it can be overlooked. If they're using it as an excuse every single night to not go to sleep, uh yeah. And it's hard to tell because sometimes they don't want to go to sleep because they're afraid of the nightmare. So it's it's just a vicious cycle. And it takes a lot of... uh Probably working with a therapist, with you and your child together, to kind of wade through all that mess and find out what's real and what's not, or what's even perceived real by the kid. So yeah, you can't just automatically dismiss it, let alone uh, deny them from coming to you, even though somebody's trying to break in the house right in front of them. So you gotta, gotta be careful there too. New boss got the company in lots of trouble. I used to work for a big warehouse, not as big as Amazon, for inventory management. From the first day, I noticed that our workflow is super slow due to old software used for the office and warehouse. Since I wanted to impress my boss and my coworkers, I used some of my free time to write a new web-based software that you can even use on your phone. This was super convenient because it allowed my boss, the sales team and others to literally work while going around the warehouse or while working from home. Even the warehouse staff was impressed since I asked them what they needed to see when picking orders. This software was now the heart of the company and during my time I worked there, it was used a lot. And replaced our old software. Now my old boss was about to retire and together with the new boss we all met in the warehouse. Had cake and got to know the new boss who I'll call Eric. He was super nice to everyone but the next day he showed his true colors. He completely changed our workflow. Requested useless stuff from the sales team. Added shifts Monday, day, night to our warehouse workers and got rid of stuff we barely sell. Within weeks we were all exhausted. Three people quit. Then Eric came into my office and gave me my two weeks notice. I was actually shocked. His response was, we have three IT guys. We don't need that many. On my last day at work, Eric came into my office, looked around and said, please make sure to reset your PC and delete any personal data. Now there's one thing Eric doesn't know. The software always checks for a local file on my PC. So if the software can't find that file or the checksum is wrong, it'll display an error and shut down. I asked him again, you want me to delete every personal file from this PC? His reply was, yes, within the next hour. Well, cue malicious compliance. I made sure to delete the whole source code of my software, deleted some personal stuff, cleaned my mail folder, and shortly before I was about to leave, I pressed delete, on file required for the software. As soon as I left the building, I saw people standing outside having a smoke. While I walked to my car, a warehouse worker told me that the whole warehouse is on pause due to some server issues. I made sure to leave as fast as possible. An hour later, Eric blew up my phone, demanding the source code for my software. I happily told him that per contract, the software is my property. My old boss even wrote a contract and that he won't get the source code. He demanded I come into the office and fix everything. I'm sorry, I don't work for you anymore. You wanted me to delete all personal data. The key for the software is also my own file. So I had to delete that too. I heard from some of my friends there that Eric had to buy a license for the old software, and within three weeks, he was replaced by another boss. There's a lot of things going on here. First of all, somewhere, that boss, the old boss, should have made it so that they either paid... OP for their software licensing you know as a as a licensed user or bought the software outright from Eric or at least made it known that if Eric ever leaves whether it's of his own volition or somebody sending him on his way because they're being a dick that that software was going to go away really the new boss even though he was a jackass couldn't have really known that that software wasn't the company's software but uh, either way He got what was coming, so it's all good. Stepdad told me I had to pay a bill I accidentally opened in the mail. I was 18 at the time. What he didn't know is I was waiting for a speeding ticket in the mail. Well, the ticket came addressed to him. I watched my stepdad open the envelopes and he threw the open piece of mail at me. I gave it back promptly saying, you opened it, you pay it. He laughed and thought I was joking. It's been seven years and he still has an unpaid ticket in collections and won't have any idea until he goes to buy a new car. My mom divorced him, so we have no contact. There's a little bit of payback for making my life miserable for 20 years. Wow. Okay, so I can be an asshat. Yes, if my kids get a speeding ticket, they're going to pay, it, even if it was in my car. Now, the automated speeding tickets, when you're going through school zones around here, and that's the only place we're allowed to have speed cameras is around school zones. Um, and anybody who even remotely pays attention knows where they are. So if you get a speeding ticket on one of those, it's your own damn fault. But anyway... I know who is where, when, with our cars. And, uh, if they get that speeding ticket, they're gonna pay it. Now, if they accidentally open one of my bills, I don't expect them to pay that. That's, that's ridiculous. Now, if they're over 18 and being a productive member of society and the household, then I expect them to chip in with the bills in general. I think it's fair for them to pay their own way as much as possible because they learn to appreciate things. They learn to be responsible for things. And even if they live here forever, I mean, we all need to work as a team and get things done, so. But yeah, as far as uh, paying a bill just because you touched it or opened it, I don't think so. My dad told me to just walk home, so I did. I just remembered this old story of mine earlier today and thought it would be fun to share. I'm not 100% sure that this qualifies as malicious compliance, since it wasn't intended to be that at the time, but I'll let you readers be the judge. A long time ago in the far away year of 1999, I was a young 11 year old boy finishing my last year of elementary school. Right before my birthday, which was in May, my parents called the family together for a meeting. They told us my mom had gotten a new job and we would need to move. We weren't moving too far away, only about an hour, but that still meant moving away from my friends and going to a completely different middle school than the one I thought I'd be going to. Elementary school wrapped up and we moved to our new house in early July. In August, my parents and I got to take a tour of the school and meet the principal and some of the teachers. That was when we learned that there weren't any buses that passed our new neighborhood. It was actually close to the school, so that meant I would be walking to and from there every day. My parents weren't too thrilled about this, but it was only a 15-20 to minute walk, and there was a path, so they came around on the idea pretty quickly. At the time, both of my parents worked full-time and five days a week. My mom worked Monday through Friday, and my dad worked Monday through Thursday and then Saturday. Trust me, this is irrelevant. Since my older sister was away in college full time and they didn't trust me and my brother alone, my parents found a babysitter to be there when my brother and I would get home and watch us until my parents got home. My brother was two years younger than me and in the local elementary school. The school year started and in early September we got a massive heat wave that reached highs of like 96 degrees for a couple days. The middle school was also an old building and most of it was not air conditioned. I only had two classes that had AC in the classroom throughout the day. At the end of those days, I was tired and not in any mood to walk an additional 20 minutes in the heat before getting home, so I used vending machine snack money to call the babysitter from the payphone. Cell phones were definitely not used by kids in those days. The babysitter, thinking he was just not letting me suffer in the heat, came to pick me up and I would do some homework before Batman Beyond and Pokemon came on. I did try to call home two more times over the next two weeks when it was hot. The second time I got the sitter again. The third time I called was on a Friday. My dad answered. He was not happy with me. He told me it wasn't that hot, 85 that day, that I shouldn't call the sitter away from the house and that I had to start growing up. He told me to walk home and we would talk more when I got there. So I walked home. I got a lecture and was told to not call the sitter again to be picked up. I said okay and told him I wouldn't call the sitter or him to be picked up again. Two weeks later, at the end of September, a hurricane passed through the area. Halfway through the day at school, it really started coming down. It got so bad that they let us out of school a half hour early, like that was going to save us. By this time, though, a lot of the roads were flooding, and the line for payphones was long. I remember what my dad told me a couple weeks ago, so I walked home. It took me almost 30 minutes to walk home from school that day, and I was drenched by the time I got home. The rain was coming down so hard I couldn't see more than five feet in front of me. The roads were so flooded that the only way to drive on them was with a car that had four-wheel drive. When I got home, both my parents—mom got out of work early due to the storm—were there, panicking because they hadn't heard from either the school or me. I just walked in through our garage soaking wet and said, Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. I'm home. After they got over the initial shock and relief of seeing me home, my parents and I had this conversation. Mom, how did you get home? Me, I walked. Mom, why? Me, Dad told me to. Mom, when? We didn't get any calls from you or the school today. Me, well, a couple weeks ago. I called the sitter a few times and asked for a ride home since it was hot. The last time I called, I got Dad. He told me I had to just walk home from now on and not call for a ride again. Dad, I implied that there could be exceptions. Me, you didn't say that. My mom turned on my dad and just told me to dry myself off and put my wet clothes in the dryer. I was drying myself off and I could hear them arguing. It was louder than the rain. When I was done and put my clothes in the dryer, my parents talked to me and told me I was allowed to call home, but only for emergencies. The next day, Saturday, my dad took me out to Blockbuster and I was told I could rent up to five movies for myself. He also paid for pizza that night and I got a whole pepperoni pizza for myself. That pizza lasted two days and no one else was allowed to touch it. My dad never lived that down. Good times. Okay, the dad was well-meaning. The kid did need to grow up and stop whining about certain things and getting rides just because it was a little warm. Now here's where I sound like a boomer. We walked home in heat. We didn't have AC in most of our classrooms growing up until at least middle school. And even that was just kind of crap. The air conditioners didn't keep up well. And we walked home. We walked to and from school. Now occasionally my mom would come and get us and that was fine. Uh, and I would even beg sometimes for her to like, you know, in the morning I would say, can you pick us up from school later today? She owned her own business and she was able to do that on certain days. But when it really came down to it, my sister and I walked to and from school with no issues. It really wasn't that big a deal. And it took a good 20 to 30 minutes to get there depending on how much lollygagging we did. I will say there's nothing wrong with your kid walking home in the heat. On the other hand, in that same conversation, if I'd have said that to one of my kids, I would have also said right up front. Now, if there's an emergency, you hurt yourself or you're really feeling ill, like you're not ill enough to leave school for the day, but you're feeling ill enough that yeah, it's its not good. Okay, fine. Stomach issues, hurricanes, earthquakes, natural disasters, you know. So there's that. But uh, you got to be specific because kids will hold you right to it. Dad gave me 30 days to move out, and I did. Holy crap, there's a lot of dad stories today. When I, female, was 18, my dad kicked me out for disrespecting my stepmother. Reasonable, but also she is and was a manipulative bitch and I was fed up. Now, what they mean by disrespecting her is I would only clean my messes. If I dirtied a dish, I cleaned it, but only mine. If I cooked, I cleaned the kitchen. Things like that. She expected me to clean every mess she'd make and insult me and has threatened to put her hands on me. Don't worry, I told my dad, but he took her side. I was fed up with being told I was lazy, so I started talking back to her, saying exactly what I thought. My dad was fed up with me standing up against his wife and said I had 30 days to get my stuff and find another place to stay. I was with my current boyfriend at the time, and he said I could live with him and his mom, and his mom was fine with it. My mom is deceased, so she wasn't an option. And even if she was, it wouldn't have been a healthy option because she was addicted to heroin and the big cause of most of my trauma. So I packed my stuff within two days and left. I guess my dad didn't expect me to leave so quickly, so when I came back to get the rest of my stuff, he told me I could stay as long as I respected the rules and owners of the house. I told him that I don't respect the rules or owners of the house, so I wasn't going back. He was really upset with me, and it probably didn't help that I was his youngest, and my sister was already out making a life for herself. Don't get me wrong, I love my dad. I keep contact because when my stepmother is out of the picture, he's a fantastic father. But I'm 21 now, and I'm doing really well with my life, and me and my boyfriend are three years strong, and even in a new state. Dad really didn't like that, but I didn't leave out of spite. I just genuinely hated where I was. He's still really disappointed that I moved out, but that's what he told me to do. Sadly, my dad's still married to her and my sister had to drop her as a babysitter due to poor supervision, leading to a one-year-old niece in the yard getting stitches and my dog getting put down because the dog was skittish due to my stepmother straight up hitting her, which led to my dog biting my unsupervised niece. Though my sister tells me that he's slowly getting fed up with my stepmother's BS and entitlement, so who knows, maybe he'll divorce her and we can fully repair our relationship without giving him the ultimatum of see your future grandkids without her or not see them at all. I'm not pregnant, but plan on having kids eventually. Well, without being there and knowing the whole situation and both sides, you know, there's always that, there's that saying, you've got this side's truth, this side's truth, and then the actual truth somewhere in the middle. Um, so I find that most of the time, and it's not all the time, most of the time, any kids between the age of 10 and 25 Rarely have a truly realistic picture of what's going on around them. Uh, they think everybody's being unfair. They don't like the word respect. They don't like having to take care of, help take care of other people's chores. Even our own kids have given us problems about doing dishes. Well, I didn't make that dish. Uh, so mom didn't dirty all your clothes, but she helps you do your wash. Oh, by the way, I bought this house. I'm paying the mortgage. I'm paying the cell phone bills. Like you could chip in a little bit. We all chip in with extra stuff, even if I didn't touch something. So there's things like that. And a lot of times, kids will blow things out of proportion, even if it's only in their own mind and think that it's totally unfair. Well, it's not. It's a big part of being part of the family. But at the same time, there are parents who go way above and beyond. Uh, and yes, I consider step-parents parents. They are. They. She's still your stepmother, but she's still a parent. Puh, sorry. Didn't mean to keep, like, puffing in the mic. Anyway. So maybe she was a little overboard. Maybe she was overbearing. Maybe she really did hit the dog, you know, things like that. If these things that OP said are true, then by all means, it's time to go. At the same time, even if she was a little overbearing or a lot overbearing, you still have to have a certain amount of respect for their household if you're going to live there. If not, do what you did and move on out. It's it's not a problem, but yeah, I mean, I can see it from both sides for sure. Hopefully you and your dad can repair your relationship eventually and, uh, Maybe even stepmom will come around, who knows. Table of Karen's makes my waiter training a living nightmare, a malicious compliance story. Back in 2014, I was hired to work on a cruise ship. I started off as a lowly restaurant steward, bussing tables and mopping floors in the buffet. After a few months, I was promoted to back waiter and was moved to the main dining hall. I quickly caught on to the back waiter duties. My front waiter, who we'll call Bert, not his real name, took notice of my hard work. After a couple of weeks in my new position, Bert told me that it's only a matter of time before I get promoted to front waiter and he wanted to start training me on how to be one. So he told me to shadow him when the next group of passengers were seated in our section so I can observe how he did his front waiter duties. Unfortunately for us, the next group of passengers seated in our sections was an eight top of Karen's. Bert and I welcomed them to the restaurant. They were friendly at first, and the head Karen, an older, heavier-set man, asked, There's a show in the main theater we want to see that begins in about an hour. Is it possible for us to get our dinner, eat it, and get to the show on time? To which Bert says, Absolutely, depending on what you order. After looking over the menu, the Karens were ready to place their order, and five out of eight of them wanted the New York steak, the one single menu item that took the longest to cook. Bert told them this and that if they wanted to all order the New York steak that there is no guarantee that we can get them their dinners fast enough to eat and be able to get to the show on time. Bert suggested alternative dishes that we could get out much quicker, but the Karens refused to change their orders. Bert read the order back to the Karens and they all confirmed that it was correct. This is important for later. Bert handed me the ticket and I ran back to the kitchen to assemble their meals. My first stop was the New York steak counter and to my horror there was a line a mile long of waiters waiting to drop off their tickets. Just so you know, this ship has a max capacity of about 3,500 passengers. The main dining hall seats nearly a 1,000 people, and I have never seen the New York counter as busy as it was this night. It seemed like everyone and their mothers were ordering the New York steak. I would have to wait at least 20 minutes just to drop off my ticket, and God knows how long afterwards till the cook got to my ticket in order to cook them. With the wait time and juggling the other tables Bert and I had to wait on in our section, I knew there was no chance the Karens could get their meals and make it to the show on time. So I rushed out to Bert, told him what the ETA was on the New York steaks, and that he needed to tell the Karens that they needed to change their order. Otherwise, they'll miss their show. Bert relayed my message to them. He came back to me and said that they still refused to change their order. Bert shrugged his shoulders and said, Whoa. Well, we did all that we could to try and convince them to change their order so they can make it to the show they wanted to see, but they refused to change it. So if they miss their show, they miss it, and it'll be their fault. I did my best to get their meal as quickly as possible, while also waiting on the other tables in our section. Sure enough, the Karens missed the start of the show and they were pissed. They demanded to speak to the restaurant manager. They fabricated multiple lies about the crappy service they received. Saying that we were lazy, incompetent, purposely dragged our feet and lied about how long they were really waiting for their meals. They said they were waiting over an hour since they got their appetizers when it was only 50 minutes since they were seated in our section at most. Bert and I told the manager our side of the story. He believed us. Say that he would try and calm the Karens down, but told us to do our best to get the Karens their meals as quickly as possible so we can get them out of the restaurant ASAP. Finally, the meals were ready. I bring them out to the Karens and hope that this will be the end of the fiasco. Unfortunately, it wasn't. Two of the female Karens called Bert and I back to the table and complained. Our steaks are rare. We ordered well done. Bert and I huddled. He looked over his notepad where he had the two ladies' steaks written down as rare. He asked me if I heard them say they wanted rare steaks when we took their order earlier on, and I nodded yes. Bert approached them and said, Ladies, my back waiter and I both heard you two say that you wanted rare steaks. I read the order back to you, and you both said that the order was correct. But the Karens responded, We've never ordered rare steaks in our lives. You two messed up. Take these back. We don't want them. We want brand new steaks. So Bert hands me the steaks and told me to go back into the kitchen and order two well-done New York steaks on the fly which is restaurant lingo for it's an emergency and we need this order right now. So I rushed back into the kitchen. The New York steak counter was still busier than it's ever been. I rushed to the cook and asked for two well-done New York steaks on the fly. The cook angrily yells at me, No one is getting anything on the fly tonight. You get your ass to the back of the line and wait your turn like everyone else. At this point, I began to panic. It was going to be at least another 40 minutes, if not longer, for the two Karens to get their well-done steaks. In an alternate reality, this would be an r slash malicious compliance story where I make the Karens wait the near long hour time for them to get their new steaks as they requested. But I didn't want Bert to deal with the Karens any longer than he had to. And the restaurant manager did tell me to do my best to get them their meals ASAP so we can get them out of the restaurant as quickly as possible. So cue the malicious compliance. The Karens wanted well done, they're going to get well done. There were microwaves in the kitchen. I flipped the steaks over to hide the previously made cut marks, threw them into the microwave, and nuked them until they were well done. I brought them back out to the karens and prayed to every deity i could think of that they wouldn't realize what i've done fortunately they didn't the karens ate their meal in complete silence giving bert and i the dirtiest glares while doing so and stormed off when they were finished once they left i told bert what i did it took him a moment to digest what i told him and he finally said under normal circumstances i would be very upset with you and i strongly suggest that you never do what you just did ever again however These aren't normal circumstances. Those people were rude, unreasonable, liars, and they didn't even tip. So you know what? F them. I'm glad they missed their effing show. In the near two years I've worked on that ship, I've dealt with many Karens. Stories for another day. But I'll never forget this one. Just a reminder to everyone reading this story, please be kind to your waiters. Wow. It sounds like there's a little bit of a logistical management issue going on with the kitchen. I'm not sure why everybody was lined up for the New York strips that night or whatever they were. But basically, if you've got that many people lined up, you got to start telling people that the New York strips not available. Uh, and then maybe once things settle down, you bring it back to the menu. Uh, anyway, but no matter what, that's not the wait staff's fault and the people shouldn't be taking out on the wait staff. Also, when the wait staff tells you that, you know, it depends on what you order. And if you order this, you're going to be late for your show and you don't listen. Yeah, that's on you. So, yeah, they were, uh, they were definitely Karens and deserved everything they got. I can't imagine working on a cruise ship. I hope they get paid well because not only do you have to deal with your shift and the people, but then you're on that ship 24-7, all of you. And so you're all stuck in this one little, basically one little floating town that you can't possibly leave until the cruise is over. And, uh, yeah. That just can't be fun. All right, guys. Thanks for sharing a little bit of your day with me today. I hope you enjoyed the stories. If you did, you know what to do. And even if you didn't, you know what to do. And if you hung out this long and you didn't enjoy it, you must have watched out of spite, really. All right, guys. Until the next one, we'll see you.